do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 384 as we inch our way closer to the big 400. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show... Uh, creating a new relationship with fear. Creating a new relationship with fear. That sounds a little scary. It's a little eerie. It does, but I don't have any fear uh, sound drops right now. Well, I'll give a little story. This is what I got. <laughs> that's not that's fear. Not it. That's 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 nighttime, yeah. but that's not scary Well, nighttime. you ever notice in all the scary movies, most of the, most of the scary parts happen during the night. Yeah. Remember, I remember being a little kid watching like Friday the 13th and they would cut to daytime and I'd be like, oh, oh thank goodness, because I know nothing bad is going to happen for the next 90 seconds. Nothing bad happens in the daytime. We did watch a horror movie uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Get Out. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you guys who want a quick movie recommendation... It's a really hard movie to um, describe because it's a horror movie, but it's also funny, but it also has some societally conscious messages. It's it's social commentary. Social commentary. Mm -hmm. A lot of social commentary. And you will recognize it. I mean, it's very, I kept, especially in the middle, I kept looking at Todd going, oh my gosh, it's so subtle and blatant at the same time, which I know sounds contradictory. Right. But that's the thing. It was like, it was so, it, it so perfectly fit yet it's so blatantly wrong yeah and that's kind of and it was written by one of the key and peel guys i forget which one well let's give him his props instead of do you know which one uh i think it's key i think so the two guys like uh i think jordan peel was in the movie let's get it right so because i i don't like not knowing these things Uh, okay okay we can do that jordan peel Okay, so Jordan Peele did the um, directing of that movie, right? Yes, and then he wasn't in it. He wasn't in it. And then Key recently has been in some great movies. That movie that I talked about on a few a few shows ago, the one about the um, the improv group, and he. So he, they're both really kind of doing interesting things now beyond comedy. I it's, uh, that always impresses me because comedy's hard. Talented young men. Yeah, and so I think if you're a good comedian, you have a lot of you know you can do a lot of different things. Here's what it says on IMDb: It's time for a young African American to meet his white girlfriend's parents for a weekend in their secluded estate in the woods. But before long, the friendly and polite ambiance will give way to a nightmare. Yes, it's it's the end is well. I don't want to give anything away. I'm just gonna say that it does become a horror movie. Very well done. So with that said, so I've been. Having this interesting back and forth in my own system about this old movie from two years ago called The Babadook. 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 Um, and I feel like I talk about it all the time because I read about it all the time. And just for if you're listening to this show for the first time, my history in my teens and early 20s, I watched horror movies all the time. And I don't know exactly what that's all about. It just was interesting to me or I was dealing with my own fear or whatever. I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is harming me psychologically. Like I'm done with seeing these graphic images and I, you know, that's no longer. But occasionally, like Get Out, um, I will watch the movie because there's something bigger in it. There's a message. So this movie, The Babadook, there's a huge message in it, which is it's kind of not – this movie's not going away because – 
um, even the LGBTQ community has kind of claimed it or they did over Pride Weekend as like a symbol mm. of even their fight. Because I don't know anything about the movie, it's weird that the any community identifies any horror movie like logo or image. Well, let me explain why. That's okay. why I wanted to explain why. And those of you who that have seen the movie, you already know this, but because I've read everything you can read about it. And basically... It's, you know, it's it's based around it's this book and it's this character and it comes terrorizes this mom and son. But really, it's a representation of her grief that she has completely repressed her grief and anger that she has completely pushed down and pretend she's pretending it doesn't exist. And so it the metaphorical or what it's coming through is as this angry scary character and the whole message is you can't get rid of the Babadook. You know, you can't get rid of it once it's in your house. You can't let it, you know, it will never leave, which is very similar to when you have a trauma or you have a fear or you have, in her case, her husband dies. Mm. And that has a lot to do with her son. So there's a lot of anger at him that's repressed because she has to take care of him. Right. Right. So when we repress that, it comes out in different ways. Right. Right. And it can come out in rage and it can come out in fear and it can come out. But if there's an acceptance of this lives with us, and how do we accept it? And how, you know, like the whole, you know, Jeff Foster thing, you know, how do we love those parts of ourselves? How do we hold those parts of ourselves rather than repress them, push them away and allow them to run our lives subconsciously? Mm-hmm. And so that is why that movie has was so powerful and had a greater social commentary and comment, you know, a, a bigger message than just I'm going to scare you. Right. Still. I don't know if I want it in my head, which is why we haven't watched it. But I'm thinking maybe we, we might watch it this week if the girls go to sleep. Really? Well, I I'm think, I mean, how long have I been talking about this? It's um, been two years. I'm going to interrupt you real quick okay. because as long as we're talking about scary movies, there's another movie from like 20 years ago called Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yeah. And you talk about um, how something scary. I, I don't know if this completely connects. The I think connect. it does. Yes. And there's uh, in the movie, I'm not even going to bother trying to explain what the movie's about, but it's outstanding. And in the movie, Tim Robbins is getting haunted by these demons. Right. And there is a chiropractor. Um, Danny Aiello plays the chiropractor. And this is his quick 30-second commentary about, and he's talking to Tim Robbins about these demons that he's seeing. And I think this is the quote. So here it is. If you're frightened of dying and, and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace... Then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it, that's all. So don't worry, okay? Okay? (laughs) It's just a matter of how you look at it. And that is... Again, you know, I know this annoys you, but I know the end of the movie, you mm-hmm. know, of I read what the end is and what it means. So I, this movie we're going to watch, I already know the end. Oh, and you that's, do? Yeah. I know. I know that bothers you, but it doesn't bother me. <laughs> well, like, it's not like I'm like mad, but. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. For you. For but me. It, it isn't for me at all. I like, know. Otherwise you wouldn't be re- watching. It's not it. a loss. Right. Like I enjoy seeing things come together rather than the. The, the build-up. The build-up, It's kind of right. like when you bail, you're like, I'll watch this game if I know that the Cubs or the Sox or the Bears win. Right. Then I can enjoy it because right. I know how it comes full circle. And there are times, I it's not that I don't love surprises, but in this situation, because I have to be very guarded of my own brain and my own heart, I need to understand how this is all going to play out. So it's very similar yeah. in that it's how we are experiencing things in our own body. Mm-hmm. Are we... 
are we accepting? Are we in our integrity? Are we being honest about our own emotions? Are we um, are we looking at what needs to be looked at? Are we dealing with our own stuff? Because that's that word integrity, which has a lot to do what we're talking about today with fear, is that's what will save us yeah. from ourselves. And and that sounds so grand, but integrity you may have your own definitions, but really it's understanding yourself and living your life from that place. Yeah. And that if you make choices that are in alignment with your heart and your moral code and your value system, and I'm not talking about everybody else's value system. Your own. I'm talking about you. Your integrity will be intact and things won't feel as scary. Yeah. They won't, it won't feel like, what do I do? What do people think? Because you're in your own alignment. Mm-hmm. And it and when you are in your own alignment, there is enough space to hear other people. Yeah. So if you feel like you're in your own alignment and you're still yelling at people and judging other people and telling people how to think think differently, you're not you're you're not fully there yet because you're still in a place of think like me. Yeah. And it's okay to say, I want to share with you, but you have to be open enough to hear other people's yeah. you know, commentary about how they see life. So Integrity is huge. And so jumping into this, do you want to? Uh, actually, real quick. So one quick thing on the Danny Aiello quote. Yes, yes. It made me think of, uh, you know, because what he just said was it all depends on how you look at it. And you and I have been kind of going back and forth on Tim Ferriss podcasts and <laughs> um, they've been interesting. Yes. Um, Our conversations or the podcasts? Both. Okay. Um, because he's really an interesting guy. Anyways, I'll just, it, it's an interesting podcast. So yeah. anybody interested, go ahead and tune in. But he asks his guests sometimes, um, if you could put a billboard uh, up, what would it say on that billboard? Uh-huh. And I, I've challenged myself, like, you know, what message would you want to share with the world without like, commer- you know, it's not like, hey, zenparentingradio.com. It's like, not about getting money. Yeah, what message would it be? And the one that I just recently came up with is for you, comma, not to you. And, Mm. you know, we talk a lot about to you, like the world uh, is either happening, life is either happening to you or for you. And it depends on how you look at things. So all these challenges that we all go through on a day-to-day basis, you know, somebody's sick, you lose a job, like all these things, challenges that happen, is it happening? A lot of times we get in victim mentality, it happens to us. But if we can look at it through a different lens, the way Danny Aiello is saying in Jacob's Ladder, how you look at it, no, this this curveball, this challenge is happening for me so that I can learn and come out of the cocoon like our three little butterflies upstairs. Mm-hmm. And Almost butterflies. Almost butterflies. Mm-hmm. We have three... Um, Cocoons. Yeah, before that they were uh, caterpillars. Mm-hmm. And before that they were larvae. Yeah. So we've kind of been raising three caterpillars. They were my babies. So I just say that because um, that's what I would want to share. And can I say this just to put some like um, softening around your language? Sure. Because I think a lot of times when we say, if we can just look at this as something that we're supposed to learn, it takes on that tone or that view of everything happens for a reason. And that can feel harsh to someone in pain. And so I think the way that I view the way what, what Todd is saying is that when something happens, it's already happened, right? So the acceptance of that it happened and then recognizing, switching that lens from victim mentality to what resources do I have, it becomes grace-filled. Mm-hmm. That you see that there are things or people or quotes or a sun above you or whatever that can get you through it. Yeah. So it's not about 
oh, if bad things happen to you, oh, it's meant to happen. Right, because then you're you're skipping a step. Correct. Yeah. You have to, it's not about, oh, if that happened to you, then there's a lesson you need to learn. Because then that sounds blaming and it sounds as if, you know, the universe is testing us. And I don't believe that's happening at all. Mm-hmm. I believe that everything is available to us all the time, but our lens or lack of lens or different lens blocks us from seeing what else is available. You know, we just have this tunnel vision about, like you said, the victim mentality. So we can't even see all these people showing up to help us, Mm -hmm. or we can't even see the fact of what we already have that can get us through. Well, and I appreciate you kind of softening my language. And and I guess I'll just kind of say for me, like, you know, I've been blessed where, you know, we all have challenges, but uh, for me, that language helps me in the moment. Because uh, it kind of helps me gain acceptance. Because right. many times I don't even want to accept whatever is happening. Right. And then I'll kind of think of you know these teachers that I have, and I'd be like, okay, so you know instead of me feeling sorry for myself in this moment, what are some things that I can do? I understand that not everybody will be attracted to that same message as I am. Well, and here the message, yes. And what the conversation that Todd and I were just having before we walked downstairs was about that me saying the way I view it does not mean he needs to change the way he says it. What I'm doing is saying, okay, here's the way I experience what Todd is explaining. Mm. He doesn't need to change it. You don't need to change your language or soften it. It's that because I've been saying things like that for so long, that's the feedback I get from people is I don't want a lesson. Yeah. I don't want to view this this way. Okay, that's fine. So then what's another way we can help someone understand the principle you're trying to teach without letting go, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying none of this works. Um, So I love that. And my, my, uh, I think my billboard would be, and it's the very surfacey basic level, would be know yourself. Because if you know yourself, then all these other things can happen. I think that if you start with something have like have compassion for other people, it's hard to do that unless you already know yourself and have compassion for yourself. So what I want to do is invite our listeners, just because it's funny, since I've been doing this, um, since I heard that that's a question that Tim Ferriss asks, I have kind of looked inward saying, what is my message that you can fit on a billboard? Like it's not a sentence, it's not a paragraph, it's a few words. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just, you know, as you're kind of doing, going about your day-to-day or week-to-week existence, what is that thing? Because it helps, it helps me understand what am I trying to convey to my children, to myself, to the world? And uh, it's kind of a a guidepost. It is. And, you know, you can, I I had to do this, uh, written interview about a week ago. And, you know, sometimes it can feel like, oh, this is something I have to do. But it's also very helpful. It's almost like journaling. Like when someone asks you questions and you have to answer them and you have the opportunity to write, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of, you know, the the question was, what is your purpose? And, you know, a grand question, right? And then I realized that my purpose is to be a self-aware person, Mm -hmm. period. And then if I had to give a next sentence, it would be to be a self-aware person person so I can give to other people. Mm -hmm. And then what else is my purpose? Teach self-awareness so other people can know themselves and give back to other people. It's multi-layered, but nothing can happen until I know. And the self-awareness is not navel-gazing. It is not about taking care of just you. The whole intention of self-awareness is so you can take care of other people. That's a grand shift that we need to make. So um, we do something three times a month. Actually, it's it's a subscription-based uh, model, but it's like an additional three podcasts a month. It's called Team Zen. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but in addition to that, it's a private Facebook page and we're having some fun throwing out some other ideas of what we're going to do with it. But last week we did one and these were kind of the bullet points just to kind of give people a taste of what it is that we talk so about. So what Todd is talking about is it, within Team Zen, we have something called Zen Talks. Yes. And so this is our Zen Talk from last week. Uh, why it's important to show up even with our flaws and mistakes. Why telling our story is vital to our emotional health. Dealing with a child who's acting out in a serious setting like a funeral. Why setting expectations up front may decrease negative behavior. And why it's important to validate our children's feelings and pain even during sporting events. And why validation is different from permissiveness. Wow, we covered a lot on yeah. the last Zen Talk. Well, there were lots of good questions. You know, it's because whenever you're starting something, you have to kind of let go a little bit and let it kind of become what it needs to be. And there's some Zen Talks when we're reading people's questions. And then there's some Zen Talks when people on the live talk actually have questions so there can be a back and forth. I'm fine with either, whatever works for everybody, um, uh, because the questions get answered either way. But it is an opportunity for people. I, you know, we hear from people who say, uh, I'm listening to your show and I want to ask a question or I want to say something back or I want to give you something to think about. And this is, this is that opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. So if you're interested, go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, click on events. You'll see uh, Team Zen on there. Um, it's 25 bucks a month and you can opt out at any time. So it's really not much of a... Not much of a gamble, and we'd love to have you. So that's the deal. So now we're going to turn over to uh, the main portion of today's show. Changing our relationship with fear. Do you remember this lady's name? I do. Carolyn Paul is her name, okay. and it's a woman that um, it, she was on the Tim Ferriss show, and basically she's written a bunch of books, bunch of books, and the title is always "Gutsy Girl." And she was a fire uh, firewoman, um, and I think she even she talks about what people called her, and it drove her crazy when people say fireman mm -hmm. because really that's man, right? Um, and so firewoman, fireperson, um, and she you know, just shares her experiences with that. But also in her book, she, she talks to people about how to be uh, more brave. Yeah. And so, but why I said the show was more about having a different relationship with fear is that's really, Todd's about to play a clip. That's really the question that somebody asked her in this, in this podcast that we're going to share. Again, this is Tim Ferriss's podcast. He had Carolyn Paul, this woman, this author come on and share, uh, basically answer people's questions. And the question the woman asked was, how do I deal with my fear and become more brave? So Carolyn starts by saying you need to shift your the way you look at fear. And here's what she says. And then, sweetie, give me one of these when you want me to stop. You got it. All right. Here's my tip. It's really straightforward. Micro bravery. Because here's a concept that a great organization calls girls leadership really uh, articulated to me, which is that. Bravery is learned. And like anything learned, it just needs to be practiced. And the way we practice things is to start small. So micro bravery, this is what they call it. I love that. Micro bravery is basically breaking down um, your fears into either smaller steps or just start starting small with any fear. And the reason we want to do that is because well, first of all, you become aware of what it feels like to be fearful because here's the truth. And I think I talked about this on the podcast before, but fear feels a lot like excitement, has the same physiological characteristics of you know high heart rate, the sweat, nervous tension. And so often what we do, especially as women, because we're really not taught to discern the nuances of fear because we aren't taught to value bravery like men are. So we aren't taught to really move through it. 
uh, is that it feels so similar to excitement that we often mistake the fact that we're not actually completely subsumed with abject fear. We actually are feeling fear and other things, excitement, exhilaration, anticipation, curiosity, things that really will open up our life and that actually is that good? Yeah. You didn't give me the sign. Well, I was kind of, if I gave you the sign, I was afraid you'd stop. And I was trying to give you the like almost sign. Yeah, I don't like the almost sign. Just give me this. I know. Because you like do a lot of pointing and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Well, I, I, I was going like, let her say these three words. Got it. You know, so, but so basically the, I want to say first that this has been coming up a lot lately, her interview and other questions about fear and bravery. And I actually decided for our for the pre-conference workshop that I'm doing um, at our conference in March of 2018, the pre-conference workshop is going to be about how to be brave. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that not because I'm a firewoman and because I'm, you know, every day doing, I'm not a thrill seeker, um, but I know what fear feels like. Right. And I know how fear has blocked me. And I know how these, what she's talking about with micro bravery is so important because just summarizing what she just said, especially as women, men are really given that word brave super early. You guys are like, you know, you've got all your you know, DC comics and Marvel comics characters, and they're so brave and, you know, everything, you know, even the things that can be detrimental to you guys, like, you know, you hurt yourself and then someone says, get up, be brave. And that's not always healthy. You know, we talk about that enough, but that word is thrown at boys all the time. Well, it's probably because it's uh, thrown at certain uh, vocations, Um, soldiers, Mm -hmm. firefighters, police officers, which is dominated by males. Correct. And yeah, and it's just a gender specific thing that men are supposed to be brave and women don't need to be or don't have the capacity to and be. I asked you what's the uh so like talking about you know our society what is the the female word for brave which isn't a fair thing to say I'm saying like, like what do girls like what's, what's the, the word that's thrown at them at them and do you remember what you said nice I think you said nice or kind. Yeah. Probably nice. And that's the word that we hear over and over again in mm. some capacity or another. Just be nice. Just include them. Just be kind. Don't say that to me. Don't be angry. It, In some way, even if the word nice isn't used, in some capacity, it turns around to be kindness. Now, Which basically means don't make waves. Correct. And brave means make waves. Yes. Right? So here's the thing. Being kind is great but it's out of balance. Being brave is great, but it's out of balance mm-hmm. uh, or it can get out of balance. So it's finding that place in between where you can you can have self-compassion and kindness and also have kindness for other people and also be brave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and having that word is something that you can own and integrate. It's a word that we need to use with girls and women more often because the, the, I think that first hint that we get that we are making waves, there's a natural instinct to back off yeah. because we shouldn't be making that wave. The, the, uh, the ability to step over that and kind of ride that wave takes practice mm-hmm. because you need to know what's on the other side of that. Because a lot of, uh, and I'm being gender specific, but a lot of men they know what's on the other side of it because they've practiced it for so long. They have they have flexed that muscle. They have flexed that muscle. They and when I say on the other side of it, it's not always the same, but basically on the other side of it means you're gonna be okay. I think what I have found for those of you who are longtime listeners, there was this thing I used to do a couple of years ago where I'd say one brave thing a day or one brave thing a week. And that was my micro bravery practice where when I didn't want to make a phone call, 
um, because I was uncomfortable or I thought this person was annoyed at me, I would say, I got to do it because I got to do And maybe I won't do 10 brave things a day because that'll just take everything out of my, you know, my yeah. energy. But I had to practice and I had to work that muscle because usually... 92% of the time that person wasn't annoyed at me yeah. or it wasn't story appropriate. It was a story I made up. And sometimes they were. Yeah. And I can handle that too. That That's the other thing is like Todd, sometimes his he cares a lot about what people think about him. But there are times when you're like, no, they need to do this because they did something wrong and we are going to keep pushing until blah, blah, blah. And I am like in absolute agony. Well, and like it's like um... – you know, it's just like dinner plan. Like, yeah, somebody to dinner. Like, well, you know, if if they don't want to, they'll say no. Uh-huh. Like, it's just some just simple social things. And you're you're sometimes be like, well, let's. They may not want to do that, Todd. I'm like, well, if they don't want to do it, then they will say no. But you, I feel like, are because you know we're getting gender specific. But some girls, some women will be like. You know, then they'll say yes, even though they don't want to. I'm like, no, if they don't want to, they'll just say no. And you know that it, that's an interesting example that you're bringing up because that's a little bigger. Mm-hmm. And let me explain why. Because that has to do with you not being able to read other people, right? And so part of that is not me being afraid or not brave. Yeah. Part of that is me being able to say, you're not watching their body language. Right. You're not noticing that they are caving. And you're kind of looking away and saying, great, we're on. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, they don't want to do this. Yeah. So there's some yes in what you're saying where you're you're saying but I'm just if they don't say no then I'm going to take them at their word which that's one responsibility we all have is that the more we are and this is not gender specific men and women the more we are capable of saying yes to the things we want and no to the things we don't the more we're all going to trust each other mm-hmm. but this whole game we play with, well, I'm going to say yes because you said yes last week, or I'm going to say yes because I don't want you to be mad, or I'm going to say yes because what will people think of me? You're creating a scenario where everyone has to be inauthentic around you because everyone has to pretend they're okay with it, and then they have to give back to you in a way they may not want to because you gave to them in a way you didn't want to. So talk about our greatest responsibility being ourselves. We have to be able to do the hell yes and hell no, or else nobody knows what to expect from us, and that drives me crazy. So I like like your point because mm-hmm. it gets into a deeper point but i'm i'm just thinking about like you like going to a store and returning something and being oh, like yeah. no this didn't work and yeah. it's i don't care yeah. i don't care if i don't have the receipt right i'm gonna go and i'm like huh. like yeah. i'm feeling uptight for that person at the counter i know and i and and you're not right and I'm not wrong, and I'm not right, and you're not wrong. It's somewhere in between. Right. It's somewhere. It's it's how do we handle that situation? Because right. you're right. If something didn't work, you have a right as a consumer to say this didn't mm-hmm. work. But how do we do it? Mm-hmm. That's the key. What and energy? Yeah. What energy do we bring? Do we? Is it, is it that person who's at the counter? Is it their fault? No, they're just the go between for that company. Well, and this is, gets into the parenting thing. Like you know, one of our daughters' rooms right now is kind of messy. Yikes! I don't know if you noticed that I, one. Oh, I, I have a hard time walking by it. So I'm going to remind her again. And uh, but the thing is. You don't have to be a jerk when you say it. No. And I think as parents think that uh, being jerky is helpful or effective. A like, prerequisite to talking to your kids. Right. And and really it's not. It's a reflection of what energy am I bringing? Like if I say, clean your freaking room, I've been telling you for four days, blah, 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 and all of a sudden there's a disconnect, 
Now that doesn't mean that you're like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's oh, it's. Oh, please, will you clean your room right, for me? That's not either. Don't do that. You know, and actually, you and I use humor more than anything else. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember what your bed looks like. Right. You know, because you can't see it because there's so much tough stuff on it. And actually, on the last Zen talk, we talked about this about first this then that, mm-hmm. and some people really appreciated that because a woman was asking a question about right. her child not following through with things, or she was not sure what to withhold or what consequences to give. And what Todd and I said is in our home, it's now and when they were little, we did a lot of first this, then that. You can get tech time. I want you to have tech time, but first this yeah. and then that. And that is the exact, from if you look at it through, you know, if you step back, that's no difference than you cannot clean your room. You cannot watch TV until you clean your room. Like it's the exact yeah. same subst- substance message. Yeah. message. It's just, how are you doing it? Exactly. What perspective, what energy. And how can a person hear best? Can a person hear best when you're yelling at them? Or can a person hear best when you're saying first this, then that? Mm. You're saying, I will be fair to you. Right. Because the expectation, not because I need you to, but because you live in the house and this is something that we all do and yeah. I show up and do these things too. First this, and then you can absolutely have this and not a not a, this tech thing is a dangle that I put in front of your face. the carrot and the stick. Yeah. Like we don't do the carrot or the stick. I mean, if we're going to make a mistake, it's probably more towards the carrot because we believe that uh, positive reinforcement is better than punishment or Mm -hmm. whatever, but it's neither one for, for what we typically do. Well, it's that idea, you know, again, language. I kind of want everyone who hears this to like, go listen to all of our podcasts before. So you understand where we're coming from on this, but you know, just that whole idea of punishment, what we're trying to do with our children is help them have a sense of self where the punishment they feel comes from themselves. It's not an external force that's that's beating down on them and watching them and, and telling them that they're bad or that they didn't do a good job or that I need to be that person to them, but they have a sense of their own integrity. And you're saying, well, kids don't have that. Of course they do. Now, is it a well-worked muscle yet? No. Is it completely intact? No. Is their brain development done? No. So there's going to be risk-taking in there. There's going to be rebellion in there. There's going to be, but do do children have a sense of integrity? Mm. Sometimes better than than adults. Right. They know what's right. right. They know what feels right. They know what's right for themselves. Now, within that, because of maturity and growth, they have to push those limits and see what does this feel like and what does this end up like. But if we give them enough space, they're building that muscle of that didn't work, right. or I did lose a friend because of that, or I didn't get, I didn't do first this, so I didn't get then that. You know. If we look at it from an outsider instead of get so – because that example you gave, Todd, where someone comes home and says, I'm tired of this. I've told you 10 times. That's not a demonstration of the child's inability to do something. What I'm hearing is that parents overwhelm at life. Yes. <laughs> That's right? exactly right. You know, like we talked about your mom, how sometimes, and we, we rewatched Parenthood a couple weeks ago, and there's this scene where Diane Weist is knocking on, you know, Martha Plimpton's door, and she's like, you know why? I, well, she's, And I have no I life. I have no life. Right. And that statement right there is what that statement sounds like oh, that you said, yeah. where when you come home and say, I'm tired of it, basically you're saying, I have nothing left. Yes. And if you don't clean your room, right. I'm going to lose it. Yeah. And then we, you know, take it out on our kids. Like you can scream, just scream at a therapist <laughs> or scream at a friend who you love who and who trusts you. Right. Because you're not screaming at them. Right. You're screaming about your you're own You're releasing pain. something, yes. but don't release it to these little kids you can say clean your room without being a jerk, without this, you know, 
toxic energy. Well, and interesting, you know, so people say, well, then what do you do? Well, I walked in two days ago and Skyler had done all of her morning chores, you know, water and the flowers and everything. But then she sat down and was, you know, on the iPad. And I said, and I said, you know what, dude, first the stuff on the bed, mm -hmm. then, then that it's not time for that yet. You're, you're not quite done. Right. And there, and of course she's annoyed. She's yes. not like, okay, mother. Yeah, That's the other thing. It's not going to like, it's not Brady Bunch storybook. <laughs> like they get annoyed at us. Of course. Because we're setting boundaries or creating some structure. And there's, and without even them knowing those words, you're taking away their freedom for yeah. a moment. They felt free. They want their own space. Like I do. I don't want people telling me what to do, but at this stage, we're living in this house together. This is our job. This is why we're here, um, is to help them create that structure and us create that structure for them. So so she went up and she'll always negotiate with us, like, how much do I really have to do? <laughs> and so we help her with that question. Well, and the other thing about the room and, you know, because it is kind of a debacle up there right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a balance to that too. Like it's probably a little out of balance, which is why we're going to keep on reminding her and all that. Um, but some parents are like so strict, like they have to have their room clean all the time. And I don't know if this will make sense and I don't remember where I got it, but think how big the universe is and how big the world is and how big the country is and how big your town is. This little, you know, if they're lucky enough to have their own room, maybe they share, this is their only space in the universe. Right. Give them a little bit of freedom to have it the way they want it. Right. You know. And like, you know, that's the thing is that like, do you guys remember uh, Randy Posh's last lecture mm -hmm. um, and how he talked about how his parents let him draw rocket ships on his walls and that kind of stuff I'm psyched about. Like yeah. I go into my girls' rooms and there's holes in the walls mm -hmm. with from their posters or things they've drawn or photos they've put up. Go for it. Yeah. So it's not about there needs to be a certain de degree of appearance for me. It's about if you have a bowl in there with apples, yeah. that needs to go back downstairs, right? Because that's like a bug issue that affects everybody. But as far as like, this is your room, amen. This is your space. And one kind of ca caveat I want to put to that is, you know, uh, there's parents out there that you're like, sorry, that just won't work for me. Like I cannot do that because I just need a clean room. I bless you have the clean room, but just maybe loosen the grip in some other aspect of your ch child's life. <laughs> <laughs> I just did something, something went flying into my face. Um, well, that connects to um, the micro bravery yeah. because sometimes when we think about bravery, we think about going and saving someone's life. A micro bravery sometimes is to be someone who maybe has some anxious behaviors or an OCD kind of behavior where you need certain things in a certain way. Um, and then you kind of say, you know what, in this situation, I'm going to let this be. Yeah. There's a bravery to that because it's not comfortable all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a, you know, there's a, I'm going to let go. Mm -hmm. And that's brave. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about micro bravery is it basically just means I'm going to do something that I know is the right thing to do. And I'm not super fully comfortable with it. But so it, one of the things that Carolyn Page says in that quote that, or in her little clip there, is she talks about how we're not even really sure what fear feels like all the time. She she's, uh, talks specifically about women and girls, but this may be the case for me, for men and boys too sometimes, is we're not even sure of that feeling. And so sometimes there's other feelings involved there, like excitement. Like uh, our daughter um, 
got something from My Little Pony called Nervous Sighted, which basically means she got it from that show. Every time I try and give her credit, she's like, no, mom, I got there from My Little Pony. But Nervous Sighted means I'm super nervous, but I'm so excited. But some other people might be like, I'm so afraid. And, right. And, and Nervous Sighted is just a nice perspective. Like, it's not all fear. There's no. some excitement yes. buried in there, but we, we don't know. You know, this is where emotional literacy comes into play. We have to know what fear is or how we describe fear and how we describe excitement because unless you kind of have language built around that, you just call it fear because that's what everybody's always telling you. Exactly. And that there can be – and this is where you have to be able to back up and widen your, your, your stance on something where you're like, that is fear. Back up. That wasn't loud. Thank you. I know. I turned it down you for you. You did much better with that backup. Um it is fear, but within that fear, you know, it's just like right before you go on stage or, you know, for any of you who act or sing or um, give speeches or you're going to present in front of a group, of course you're afraid. You know, Todd and I do that all the time and I wouldn't necessarily call my feelings fear anymore, but I definitely get butterflies. I definitely get it. It has it has transitioned more into excitement. Yeah. It the, the word that I give it now is excitement where before it was all, you know, there was excitement in there, but maybe I would have called it fear before. Yeah. But now I've I've got a um, what's the word? I have a good relationship with that feeling. I I'm okay with that feeling because I know I'm going to be okay. Um, can I get back real quick to um, this interview? And this is just some insight of Kathy. Like you love women like this firefighter lady mm-hmm. who are brave and don't fear repercussions of what it is they're saying or uh-huh. doing. And I just wrote a quick list. I came up with more, but Sarah Silverman, <laughs> uh-huh. Amy Schumer, uh-huh. um, who are some others that we talked about? Because you love these women. Uh, I love um, Kristen Wiig. I love Kate McKinnon. I love Sheryl Sandberg. I love... Um, and and these are all wave makers. I love Marianne Williamson. I love... And and they're not as concerned about how their message is going to land. Mm-mm. And I feel like Gloria Steinem, right? Um, uh, there was someone just um, Maya Angelou, Oprah, right? And think about the perspective of the people that you just mentioned. Yeah. Some are like world changers and belong in history books, and other are crass comedians, right. Who are hilarious, right? And don't care what may maybe I. They might care, they but they do, do it anyway. Exactly, and that's the thing: is the common thread of those people. And, and Todd, he's always, he. I, it's not that you're fascinated, but whenever I come home and I'll say, like, let's use Sarah Silverman. I listen to what she had to said, and I'm what she had to say, and I'm so impressed with her. Mm-hmm. Well, if you would put the things I talk about up against what Sarah Silverman says, you'd be like, how. Are why like why is all? this impressive? Right. <laughs> and it's not so much that I agree with everything she says or how she says it. What I appreciate is her bravery and her authenticity and her willingness to stand out there in the world as someone doing something that is not typical. Right. And she is standing up in front of people saying, yep, I say these things. And yep, I'm saying things that many of you want to say. And I'm, you know... Yet there, but here's the key, you guys, because sometimes this gets discussed and polarized in political arenas. Her intention is not to harm. Her intention is to shine light on things that we're not talking about. Now, you may say, well, she harmed me or she offended me. That may be the case. And that's kind of the risk factor in talking about these things. But 
her intention overall, you should see the things this woman gives back to and what her intention is as far as bringing families together and connecting people. And the, the overall purpose to me is, is valuable. Right. Same with Amy Schumer. She may offend you, but Amy Schumer's message, if you read about her and really, and this is the thing, as I get interested in the woman, not just the one skit they do, but who is this woman? If you read about them, you see what their North Star is. Yeah. What is their common center? And same with Oprah, same with Gloria Steinem. They want better for people. I can't fall, that's... That's great. Yeah. But when someone says, well, this is in the best interest of us because I'll get more money, that's where I have a problem. Yeah. So you may say, well, that person says this. Well, what is – or not only I'll get more money, but because I'm afraid and I don't want these people around. Okay, then I don't respect what you're saying yeah. because yours is to harm and to – you know. so it's all about what's someone's North Star. That's right. So anyway. And you got multiple North Stars, sweetie. <laughs> Do I go? Every one of those women. Are, oh yes. Right? Well, every one of those women are, and represents represent something in me. But the list le- the list is not done. I mean, no, there's no. usually women who, and some of them are people that have no fame whatsoever. But they just come out there and do great things. Um. So, um, can we move on, or are we still talking about well, this? Well, let me just say this. Um, to finish up the micro bravery because we didn't dive deep into it, and that's okay. Um, I think you guys got the. Well, we did dive deep. We just went in a lot of different directions. Um. I think that a way to just kind of bring this together for yourselves is how do I take this information and live it? So in your own life, if you have this relationship with fear where you're so afraid of what people will think all the time or you feel like you feel fearful all the time, instead of trying to say, how do I get rid of this fear? You switch it on its head and you say, I'm not going to focus on the fear. I'm going to focus on micro bravery Mm. because that is the antidote Mm -hmm. to the fear. Yeah. If you do nothing and you keep saying, how do I, and getting rid of the fear is the Babadook. That's what I'm saying is if you keep saying, this is fear, I want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it. Then it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and it it takes over your life. But if you instead flip it and you say, okay, I accept that fear is here. So I'm not going to, that's not the area I'm going to go into. I'm going to go into the micro bravery. Well, and uh, we just had this conversation yesterday. We were talking about, you know, Wayne Dyer wrote a book, what you focus on grows. And Mm -hmm. then I talked about Tony talking about the reticular activating system. But you had another example. Do you remember what that was yesterday? It was weird. I know exactly the conversation and I'm trying to think why I brought it up. So explain to me the reticular, explain to me what Tony Robbins said Um, again. I don't know if I'll be able to do it as well as he does, but our brain uh, has the capacity to take in so many different things. Uh Like right now, as I look at you, there's there's colors, there's things, and our brain kind of discerns what it's going to bring attention to because if you looked at everything that was happening to you all around, you'd go, you would go crazy, right? I know what you're talking about now. And I don't remember what I called it. I think the reason I brought it up, it's the, what you focus on gross thing. It doesn't really matter what we call it, but it's kind of like why I said, when, when I sat down today across from Todd, I said, I don't think I can listen to the NPR podcast anymore, the politics. Right. And he said, I love it. And I I know it's good, but it's not helping me anymore. So I want to focus on things that are helping me. I want to not putting my head in the sand, helping me, but how can I maintain my energy to keep doing things for myself, for others? And sometimes when I listen to things or look at certain things, again, this is why I'm questioning watching horror movies, 
it doesn't help me. So the and and also whatever you're focusing on is what you see everywhere. Yeah. So you know if you're trying to get pregnant, you see pregnant women everywhere. Or you just buy a red Toyota Camry. You see it all of a sudden you everywhere. See, they were always there, but all of a sudden you are. So that's the thing. Like, what are you going to focus on? Right. And that's into like goal setting and things like that. Like, there's no way that you're going to be able to move in a certain direction unless you know what you're looking for. Were we talking about the guy, the pitcher with the yips? Uh, possibly Rick and Keel, there's a HBO sports, um, there, it Brian, was Gumbel. Brian Gumbel, it's a great show, but Brian Gumbel just drives me nuts. Does he? Just but he doesn't really do anything. He oh, just introduces just the way he everybody. turns and talks and his <laughs> manner of speaking is so relaxed. It drives me nuts. So how do you wish he would be? Uh, I don't know. Less smooth. So he's do you like think he's so being smooth. smug? I, these, I, these I don't know, but that's how it that's how it lands for me. Right, because really these words smooth and relaxed. And the way are he good. puts his glasses in his mouth, like he puts like the, <laughs> the the part that goes around your ears, and just the way he looks in the camera through the glasses, like. So does it feel inauthentic? It does, but it may be he's been in front of a camera like for the last forty years. This may be who he is. Yeah. But. Sorry, Brian, if you're listening. I was going to say, I'm kind of, I, whenever I talk about Chicago, someone, I know. And whenever I talk about someone on the show, I always think to myself, they may never listen. I mean, but they could listen. I know. And Brian, <laughs> if you're listening, Bryant. 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 Mm-hmm. If you're listening, please keep doing your be you. show. Be you. Because it's amazing. So Rick Ankeel is a pitcher who was really, really good. And in the third inning of a playoff game in 1990, I think, uh, he forgot how to pitch. He literally forgot how to pitch. He threw more wild pitches in one inning than anybody had ever done in the history of the game. And I don't want to ruin it for you, but if you go, if you get HBO, go to uh, HBO Sports and watch the Rick and Keel. Uh, it's like a 20-minute thing. 30 for 30s are like two hours, but this is a 20-minute thing. And it's all about how he dealt with this. Um, talk about... The yips. It's called the yips and, and what he did. And the story ends well. It ends well. And I just, just to give a little bit of background to the yips is the girls uh, this summer when we have time at night together, we all as a family watch a Psych episode. And Psych used to be on the USA channel and our girls have been watching it for years. They love it. It's kind of like that. It's like an adult show that's that kids can watch yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. It's that middle place. Yeah. And, um, and so there was an episode about Sean being worried he's one of the main characters being worried that he's, he has the yips. the yips and so Todd found this and it was just a nice connection you yeah. know how everything comes together but um, it was interesting that this guy Rick Ankeel he wrote a book too so you check that out if you want to but what's interesting about it is that people don't know why people get the yips and that they're that they're finding that it does have some emotional components some trauma components and that there's literally a neurological pathway that is possibly gets burned out because it's overused yeah that was crazy oh my gosh and to me as someone who thinks about the brain so much that is phenomenal like basically just these are small pieces it won't give anything away but he had some trauma in his childhood and baseball became the way he dealt with trauma so he put so much energy into that neural pathway if you want to think about it that way that once he got to a situation where it was high pressure it burned out and I just think that's crazy. Yeah, we don't know for sure if that's exactly what's going on, and, the, and because he's not the only one that suffered. No, from. Chuck people. Knobloch, Steve Sachs. There's a guy named uh, from Pittsburgh from the 1960s. He's the announcer now for the Pirates. So, anyways, it's really good. So we just went on a pretty significant tangent, but it was worth it. So, um, can I do a uh-huh. few closing things? Um, one is there's a new podcast that my sweetie told me about. 
Oh, yeah. And it's called Kind World. Yes. And it is an amazing podcast. They're seven, six to eight minutes long. And it's just, it's, it made me think of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series by Jack Canfield, yes. uh, but it's a podcast and it's just as really heartfelt, inspirational stories about regular people. Mm-hmm. So we always love to be a resource and invite our listeners to not listen to us and listen to other things. And this is one of those occasions. And I will say, because Todd used chicken soup for the soul, there's nothing sappy about these. These are true stories, and they're told through like kind of an NPR way, where for those of you guys who listen to This American Life, this is very well produced, where you get the person's perspective, and it's them narrating it, and them sharing their experience. And every story is different. Some of them, one woman told a story of how she was in an airport one day, and her dress fell down, Mm -hmm. and another woman came in and helped her and scooped it up, and that's the story. That's it. And then there's stories of soldiers and then there's stories of you know people dying and so there's this whole range of emotions you know but they're all good some of them that i'm like oh i'm sure i won't be interested in this have been my favorite ones yeah and they're quick six minutes six minutes um real quick tournament of bad tournament of bad tournament of bad my entry into the tournament of bad which is just an annoyance that i kind of have from one week to another it's not brian gumbel no, it's not Brant Gumbel. <laughs> um, you insist on, my sweetheart insists on hitting the walk sign when we cross an intersection. Correct. I'm fine with that. But my question is, why is the button even there? Why doesn't it say walk every single time it's time to walk? I don't know. There's this thing in Elmhurst now at our main corner, because Todd and I live just about six blocks from downtown. So we walk downtown and I have heard from other people that I stand with at those crosswalks, if you do not hit the button, the walk sign will not come up. And that has been I, the truth. I, I'll believe that. What, what I don't understand is what's the, why don't the people who write the software to say what lights go on at what intersection, why doesn't it just always have a walk? And it always did growing up. Yeah, it's either walk or don't yeah, walk. Yeah, walk. We didn't now have those got, buttons. Now you got like a timer. Don't you think the buttons are like psychology that you feel like it's going yes. faster? If yeah. you push a button, you're like, okay, now the walk's or, or not that you feel, but I, I don't know. So somebody help me understand that. There's a lot of smart people that listen to this podcast. Maybe city planners are out there that understand why it's not always like that. Okay. Um, so that's my entry into the tournament bed. A few quick things that I want to promote is I do have a coaching business. I coach guys. Uh, the uh, most important investment that any of us will ever make is the investment in ourselves. I have a coach. And um, I would also like to be your coach, guys. Um, it's uh, First session is free, 30 minutes. I have a website called toddadamscoaching.com. I will help you come up with a plan to get from point A to point B, and we'll do it together. We can do it on Skype, face-to-face, on the phone, you name it. So toddadamscoaching.com. And uh, oh, we also have some uh, some reviews. We got a bunch of reviews because I think last week I shared that you can review from your phone. Oh, nice. So Diane... Uh, it says D L A N E zero zero one. That might be Diane Lane, sweetie. And Todd loves Diane Lane. I love Diane Lane, uh, but I don't think it's her. It's it's D Lane, so maybe okay. it's not Diane. She says it's insightful, calming, and fun. Five stars. M S Marone says loved your episode on equality. Don't remember when that one is, but thank you. And then the last one is from Sluggo Steve, outstanding podcast, five stars. So for those of you guys who are listening, you can write a review from your phone. So just go in your podcast app, click on the search, search for Zen Parenting. Even if you've already subscribed to Zen Parenting Radio, I think the only way to write the review is to do a search in the store. Pull up Zen Parenting, and then there's a ratings and reviews button in there after you pull up Zen Parenting. So that helps us 
spread the message. It's kind of an organic way of us to market ourselves. It just creates a better algorithm for us on iTunes. My sweetheart has a book called Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. It's pretty awesome. Uh, check that out. And that you can find that on Amazon or on... Uh, We've kind of decided that live... I took the ing off, by the way. Good. Live what you want your kids to learn is has kind of become our tagline. Our new tagline. And that because right now we're putting together two new websites: one for the conference in March, and then one for just Zen Parenting Radio. Because right now our website is just it's outdated. Mm-hmm. So this one has is it's much easier, user friendly for you guys. And so we've had to come up with all this language to explain ourselves. And as you guys know, those are not easy tasks. Look out for our other two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. If you live in Chicago and you are a fan of chiropractic or you have a bad back or a bad neck or a bad nervous system, Dr. Kelly is your person. She, she, she can be found at chirotree.com. And then there's good old Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So if you're thinking of redoing your kitchen or painting your walls or whatever. He is your guy. And that's avidco.net, A-V-I-D-C-O.net. Or you can just give him a call at 630-956-1800. So as we close out the show, I'm going to do this song, right, sweetie? Brave. I haven't heard this in a long time. So happy 4th of July, if you're listening the day the podcast is released. Yeah. Celebrate everybody, our country, each other, yourself. We're so lucky to have the freedoms that we have to live here And patriotism belongs to all of us. It's not specific to any group. We all can love and appreciate what we have and where we are. Yeah, I agree. Hats off to all men and women of our armed forces on this 4th of July. Thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Adios. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.